Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, the verses 1 through 15a. If you wish to follow along, you may find it, the passage on page 284 in your pew Bible. In this particular passage, Elijah is fleeing the wrath of Jezebel, goes into the wilderness, goes then to Mount Horeb where he encounters God. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, get up and eat. He looked and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time touched him and said, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank, and then went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb the Mount. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking the rocks in pieces before the Lord, and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, 
Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. For our second reading this morning, we'll be reading in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. This can be found on page 841 in your pew Bible if you would like to follow along with the reading. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, what have, you do to, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now, there was on the hillside a large herd of swine feeding. And the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. And then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord spoken for you. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you help us to understand and to know your word. Guide us in our understanding and in our knowing that the words of our, my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our God, our rock, our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. Amen. So for the past couple of weeks following the lectionary, we've been following the story of Elijah in relationship to King Ahab and the work that he had done, um, uh, basically calling out Ahab for his wicked ways. Now, it should be noted here that the stories in the lectionary, for some reason, as we've been reading them, are out of order. Um, I'm not quite sure why the, creator of the, lection, the creators of the lectionary decided to tell the story of Elijah in relationship to King Ahab and, and take them out of order like this, but the reading that we read today is before the story from last week with the vineyard of Naboth, but it's after the story from two weeks ago about the uh, 
the competition that Elijah entered into with the prophets, the priests of Baal. If you remember that story, that's where they, he is trying to prove to the people of Israel that God, the Lord God, is the God to follow and not this other Baal. And, and he has the competition where he says, well, each take something to sacrifice and like no, put no fire to it. And the sacrifice that is consumed by fire will be the sacrifice uh, to the God that is truly God. And then he actually drenches the sacrifice that he is working with and the fire consumes it, utterly consumes it, even though it is utterly drenched with water. And following that reading, I, I said at the time, make sure we note that following the competition, Elijah chases the prophets of Baal, the priests of Baal, out into the wilderness and has them all killed, slaughters all of those priests. And this is where we pick up the story today. The priests of Baal have been killed. Ahab finds out about it and tells his wife, Jezebel, Bell. Now, we can assume from the way that the story is told in, in 1 Kings that Ahab worshipped Baal simply because of Jezebel. When she's introduced as Ahab's wife in chapter 16, it's in this context. It says that Ahab took as his wife Jezebel, daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshiped him. Erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, also made a sacred pole. It's important to note that this, I, I think that Ahab was worshiping Baal again. We talked a couple weeks ago about how maybe he was just hedging his bets about, well, if this God's really a God, then it's good to worship him too. But it was his wife, Jezebel, who was a devout believer in Baal. It's not Ahab who is upset about the killing of the priests, but Jezebel. And when she finds out that Elijah has had these priests killed for preaching and teaching against God, she swears vengeance. And she swears to Elijah, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Basically, you better watch out because by tomorrow, you're dead. And so Elijah does what any smart person's going to do in the face of a death threat from a queen. He runs. He takes off running, and he goes to Beersheba, and he leaves his servant there, says to the servant, I'm sure, look, you have no part of this. This isn't your fight. You stay here. You stay safe. I'm going to continue to go. But as he goes, he becomes despondent, afraid, weary, he thought he was going to be okay by running away, but as he ran, it began to prove futile because he ran out into the wilderness and he had nowhere to go. He was hot, he was thirsty, and he was tired, and he began to ask himself, what was the point in 
running. He figured it was over, and he should have just stayed to face Jezebel's wrath. So filled with this sense of futileness, he gives up. And he sits down under the shade of a broom tree and asks to die. And he lays down and goes to sleep, hoping that he would never wake up. In our gospel reading today, we encounter the story of a man we know only as the Gerasene demoniac, a man who living in the tombs, lived his life naked, unclothed, and filled with just so much. He would occasionally be chained by the locals, and he would break the bonds of those chains and go running back out into the wilds, ripping off his clothes, and he found shelter in the tombs. He was untouched and untouchable, overwhelmed and overcome by the forces that out of his control controlled his life. In both of these stories we have men who are facing overwhelming situations and circumstances and I think that both of these stories in their beginning speak to one solid very hard truth. That when we in our lives are in the midst of chaos, suffering, and pain, when we have so much going on in our lives, it can feel as if we are drowning, and it can be hard, so very hard, to see hope in the midst of the chaos. Elijah, a prophet of God, had a hard time seeing the hope in his life. And the man possessed by demons took to just living in the tombs to deal with the lack of hope he had. For us living in the world today, in our lives and in the world, we are confronted with so much. So much. We have the daily struggles of our lives, the, the big difficult things that we face that seem to just continue piling up on our shoulders day after day, weighting us down. Bills and financial obligations, work concerns, family concerns, worries and fears that stalk our nights and our days. Sometimes even the monotony of the daily day in and day out where our life seems to be an endless repetition of the same hours and moments and, and routines over and over and over again. We can become overwhelmed by everything that is in our lives. Not to mention the hate and the war and the disease and the violence that we see in the world around us and that we hear funneling to us through media the news and, and all the ways that we consume the information of the world, all that is shoved down our throats that creates fears and monsters and brings those monsters into our living rooms and into our hearts night after night. 
Let me tell you, I've never been more afraid of letting go of my son's hand around any sort of animal than I have in the past couple of weeks, right? And I also continue to be afraid of the world that I am raising my children in. What is your name? Jesus asked the man possessed by the demons, and the demons replied, we are legion, for we are many. And those many demons overwhelm. Sometimes all that chaos and confusion and all that's going on and the pain and the suffering that is in our own lives or that we see in the world around us or that we see other people going through it, worlds around us, and it's so very easy to give up. Not necessarily wishing for death, but it's easy to give up caring, it's easy to give up a, a desire for kindness because we don't experience kindness in our own lives. It is easy to give up the hope of grace and mercy. Simply put, we give up hope. To be honest, there have been times in this past week where that's a bit of where I have been. I have lost count of how many times I have stood in the pulpit in my nine years in ministry, just nine years in ministry, I have lost count of how many times I've had to stand in the pulpit on a Sunday following a mass shooting and speak about God's hope in the midst of fear and suffering and pain, in the midst of hate that would drive someone to murder so many of our sisters and our brothers in one fell swoop. I, it's easy to give up and give in to the fear and, and just say this sort of thing is inevitable. The world around us is inevitable. I, it's easy because I'm just tired, tired of a world where hate seems to prevail and I'm sad and I know I'm not alone in that. And so there are moments where I just want to sit under the broom tree and say, give up and give in. Elijah sat under that broom tree and he lay down. And the angel of the Lord touched him. And there was cake and water. <coughs> to nourish, to strengthen, and to refresh him. It was a small moment of grace that gave Elijah hope. It was a small moment of grace that gave Elijah strength. The angel Lord even said, eat, otherwise you will not have strength enough for the journey. And so Elijah ate and accepted that moment of grace. And then he went on the way. For 40 days and 40 nights, which is a biblical term for a really long time, that cake and that water gave him what he needed to keep going until he got to the mountain where the Lord resides to talk to God 
one-on-one. He goes to the mountain of God, to the place where God dwells, to meet and encounter God. And God hears his complaint and his frustrations. What are you doing here, Elijah, God asks. And Elijah goes through the whole thing. I'm here because I have been zealous for you, and, and now I am all alone, and all the other prophets have been killed, and now they're seeking my, my life. And God tells him, go. I hear you. I hear your pain. Now go. You have a job to do. Go out and anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Small moment of grace reminding Elijah that his work was not done. Sisters and brothers, when we don't think that we can go any further, when the world seems as if there is just so much that just threatens to overwhelm and overcome us, when we are overburdened with the worries and the fears and the just insanity of the world that we encounter each and every day, when we are ready to pack up, pack it in, give up, and walk away, remember that there are those small moments of grace and mercy and love in the smallest things. God reaches out to touch us and to give us hope. Hope that gives us strength for the journey. God reaches out to give us what we need to continue, what we need to persevere, what we need to go on and keep going on. And as we go, God then hears our concerns and he hears our pain and he hears our frustrations and he hears where we are hurting so deeply and he says, I hear you. You are not alone, and we feel his grace and his love, and we are given what we need to continue. We are reminded that we are set in this world to love and to serve the Lord, and we are reminded that God does not abandon us, that God does not leave us alone, but instead God is with us to give us strength, to give us hope, to give us courage, to give us what we need And then God gives us a new direction and a renewed purpose and sends us back out into the world to love and to serve God and our sisters and brothers. God touches our lives, wakes us up, and gives us grace, love, mercy, and hope. Friends, when I am facing weeks like this past one and so many other times, when the worries of the world seem to overwhelm and it seems impossible to continue on with kindness, love, and grace, remember. I am comforted by remembering that God is there to touch my life, that God is there to touch all of your lives, that God is there to gift us with what we need in the form of people, in the form of a still small moment, in the form of a rainbow that stretches across the sky to remind us of God's covenant and promise 
to us. In whatever form God's grace and reminder of God's love comes to you, let that be a reminder that we are not alone, that God is with us to give us hope, to guide us in our lives, to strengthen us, and to help us, to heal us like he healed that demoniac so that we may go and share the love and the grace and the mercy of our God with others. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God for those small moments of grace, wonder, and mercy. Let us thank the Lord our God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, heal our broken hearts. Heal our broken lives. Help us to continue on. When the road seems so rocky and impassable, show us your way. Show us your path of righteousness. Guide us. Give us that moment of grace and mercy that we need to continue on and help us to turn to you in all things. Help us to know that there is hope in you. Be that light that shines in the darkness. Showing us your love. We trust in you, O oh Lord. Help us to hold on to that trust. Help us to not let the world around us drown us in worries and fears. But instead, help us to hear your song in the night. That brings us safely toward the dawn. We continue to pray, O oh Lord, for our sisters and our brothers and our community and our world and even our own lives that you may heal us where we are broken and sick, that you may comfort us where we are in sorrow and mourning, that you may guide us when we are lost and give us hope in the dark. We pray that you may heal hearts that are consumed with hatred and fear. We pray that you may help us to live without fear, trusting in you all our days. Help us not give in to the fear, but instead speak your truth and your love in the midst of all that the world throws at us. Be in us and with us. Guide us. Shape us. Show us your way. And we pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.